This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Khanam. And this is Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a great show today. There, there's obviously a lot to catch up with uh, Palestine, with the Trump affair, with Kushner, and all of those things. But actually, we're going to begin our show with an extraordinary story. Daily hugs in Palestine. Daily hugs in Palestine. With all of the chaos and turmoil and upset that we hear about the political context in Palestine, we are going to be interviewing today, and we have live in studio with us, Maad Abu Ghazala, who's going to talk about probably one of the most beautiful, touching stories from Palestine that, that we have heard in a long time, Jamal, because you and I usually report on all the terrible things that are happening in Palestine. And, and we will talk about this. Which we will, but I think to contextualize it, and it's important to put this in context, Palestine is an extraordinary place with extraordinary people, and that gets lost in terms of the reporting that is done in the mainstream media. People rarely see the humanity of Palestine, the beauty of Palestine, and the power of resilience. And really, that's, that's really what uh, the story of Daily Hugs, which is uh, Maad's amazing project, is uh, all about. Well, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Maad, because for those who don't know Maad, and it's important, and then we'll come back to Maad to tell his story about Daily Hugs. But Maad is a, uh, number one, he's a local, kind of. You know, now he lives in Palestine. But Maad is a Palestinian-American software engineer and entrepreneur. He founded a, a company developing software uh, for patent attorneys right here in the Bay Area. The and, Bay. Then, and then sold it to Bloomberg in 2012. He's also an attorney. I he mean, does a lot of things. He Rod does a lot of things. But most, <laughs> most importantly, he's always been an activist in the Bay Area. True that. And he, uh, his activism included being president of the Middle Eastern Law School Association in Santa Clara and a president of the San Francisco chapter of the ADC. He also ran... For those who have short memory. I remember this. But you remember, we're too old. We have a lot of young people listening to us and people seeing us all over the world. But he also ran for U.S. Congress in the peninsula in 2000 on a platform of staying out of Iraq and repealing the U.S. Patriot Act. And he received the second largest percent of votes of any third party candidate that year. Do you remember who he ran against? Of course. How can I forget? (laughs) Tom Lantos. Oh, my God. And so if you are, if you are uh, an Arab-American, Palestinian-American... Or, or a person of justice. Or a person of justice, you will never forget Tom, Tom Lantos and his support, his unwavering support to the Israeli occupation of, of Palestine. And, of course, he there, there was basically no war that he didn't like or love that the United, United States was engaged in. And then, I don't know, Mad, like I said, he's a... Uh, a man of many adventures, right? That's true. And then, uh, w- and then he decided to make the move to Palestine. And I, I started the show, and this is for our listeners both on the air and uh, on Facebook, with the saying "Daily Hugs in Palestine." It's mm-hmm. a great. It's a great. 
I love the name and, for what it means. And, and we have now Mad. He's he's right here in the Bay Area visiting us before he goes back there. And Mad, welcome to Arab Talk. It's great to be here. And I, I mean, the only I, reason I did this show is just to hang out with you guys. You, I we'd love you. <laughs> I don't know what's going to be on the air. Hanging out with us. We, we wish it was uh, more often, Matt, and, because and, we and, don't see you that and much. And that's why, really, we want to hear, you know, from your own mouth, mm-hmm. and you know, tell our listeners and our watchers on Facebook Live what's hey, daily why, why hugs. Is- well, all it, about right so it started um you know as you said i've been an activist for forever um i remember in um we used to do the marches and the rallies um back in in the 90s the late 90s right uh then you know we um you know i sort of escalated my activism you know i, I joined the adc san francisco chapter we did this huge campaign um we did a big billboard just trying to get the US out of Iraq. This was way back when Gosh, that you know, was, now look at us, you know, know. If we had just <laughs> done it back then, uh and got in the first place. So, you know, we did this huge campaign. Uh then I escalated one step further and I said, Okay, I'm gonna um, you know, run for government. I'm gonna give um allow the people to have a say in this decision on going to invade Iraq. So this was actually two thousand two. It wasn't two thousand, it was right after nine eleven. Um, and that's when I said, okay, you know, there's, we're in the Bay Area. We're represented by one of the most um, hawkish congressmen in the, in the government. This should be a no-brainer. You know, he's, he was advocating going into um, Iraq louder than anyone. That's right. Um, so, you know, that was the next step is, okay, I'm going to go head-to-head against these people. And unfortunately, you know, it, the government itself didn't prevent me from winning. They didn't do anything. The people didn't want it. For whatever reason, the, the, I did get the second num- largest number of percentage of votes, uh, but it was still 7%. So the vast, vast, vast majority of people were perfectly fine living in the Bay Area and, um, uh, and, and voting for somebody who advocated in, in invading Iraq. Um, so that was a big hit for me psychologically. Um, and so, I, you know, it was, um, it was exasperating because, you know, here we are, we're doing more and more activist things. And the violence in society and violence in America was escalating. Right. Right. And you know, now it's just become overwhelming. I mean, there were, we were bombing Yemen. Look at Syria. Look at Iraq. I mean, it's just all over the world. Look There's, at Florida. Uh, yeah, I was going to get to that. I mean, timing-wise, it's all over the world. Um, and so, you know, at that point, I was thinking, okay, what, are, what can we do? Because the things I had been doing for, for over a decade was not, not having the effect I wanted. And so I said, okay, let's step back. And, um, you know, the problem really is the people. The people really need to change their mindset. Mm. Um, We're adopting this violent mentality. And we're starting to make decisions based on hatred, which is perfectly natural because there's all sorts of injustice and it's natural to hate that. But it's not healthy. So, you know, it's a long buildup. <laughs> you wanted maybe the elevator pitch of what no, no, is no, about. No, no, no. We want to hear the whole it, it, it's story. Okay. This isn't Fox News, right? No, 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 you don't get 10 Fox seconds to. News, we're the anti-Fox. We're okay. anti-Fox News. So that, that's the long answer is this, this big buildup of just getting caught up in this, this hating, this, this uh, violence that was just a huge wave that was unsurmountable and saying, okay, stop. I, I need to change the mindset of how I myself am feeling. And I said, okay, what can I do? Because what I had been doing wasn't working. I said, well, I can make a little bubble of what I want the world to look like. You know, I, w- I want a bubble where there's no violence, not against animals, not against children, 
No violence at all. Um, in fact, on this property, it's um, I'll get the story about how I got that property later, but I ended up buying some property about um, an acre. Um, uh, it's vegan, so you can't even eat animals. It's it's just completely violence where you can't kill the insects. <laughs> just to remind our listeners, we're talking to Maad Abu Ghazali, and when uh, Maad talks about the property, he's talking about the property he purchased in Palestine. In Palestine. Correct, yeah. Um, so what... what, what uh, village is that in? So um, the biggest, the largest population city in Nob- is Nablus in the West Bank. Um, this is a, a small village um, about maybe 10 miles outside of Nablus. So that's in the northern part of Palestine, in the that's West pretty, Bank. That's pretty far. That's that's out there. Uh, uh, 10 miles? Yeah, from yeah, Nablus. That's r- a long way. Right. So by um, Bay Area standards, that's Close. A, a quick jaunt. But for them, it's a big distance. Yeah. So it's considered rural, very rural. Um, but that's what I wanted. I wanted a sanctuary, you know, where people could escape all the violence, all the um, the noises, and just, you know, and so the people I'm talking about was um, first we rescued animals. So um, the most needed um, animals needing rescue were the donkeys. Um, in Middle Eastern culture, you know, a lot of cultures, they, they don't, they beat animals. And, and the donkeys there were, were severely beaten. Um, so well, they consider them beasts of burden also. Yeah, they, they can't relate to their emotions. Yeah, It's very strange, but you're right, Maad, that, that, that a lot of aggression mm. gets taken out against, against donkeys. Right. In, in, it's not just in the Middle East, but in a lot of parts of the world. So you've made that move. I mean, mm. this was a big decision. You've made this decision to leave the Bay Area, yeah. go to Palestine. Buy land. Buy land. Mm-hmm. And set up a sanctuary. And set up a sanctuary. Correct. Right. Yeah. That's an amazing so process. What, di- what difficulties did you face? <laughs> what difficulties didn't you face would be an easier um, question. Probably. Yeah. So uh, um, at, when I first got there, I was just um, live bait. I mean, it was just everybody saw the foreigner coming. So because, you know, even though Ajnabi. I sp- so th- I speak Arabic, but it, with a very heavy accent at the time, it was, it was heavier. Um, and I look different. And so everybody's like, how can we get this money from this guy? Because it's there <laughs> for us to take. We know it's there. It's who's going to get it. Who's going to get it first? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they were fighting about who would get my money. But I, I got really, really lucky. Um, in this process, I ran into a villager um, whose name is Osama, who um, he, was, he was just, he wanted, he believed in what I was doing. He said, you know, I, I love the idea of taking care of animals and the kids. He, he really cared more about the kids, um, more so than the animals. But he, he wow. saw his own children. He had yeah. a boy and a girl. And we, we, one of the rescues was a, a German shepherd. Um, and they just fell in love with the German shepherd. And, they, and if you know the culture, they never get close to dogs. They, they say dogs are, are ninjas. Ninjas. Yeah, right. yeah, so they, they'll never get close to them. But when he, by circumstance, when the kids finally got to touch a dog for the first time in their lives, they, they, fell, they fell in love. They fell in love with the donkey. We had a donkey named Houdini, our first animal. Um, he, 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 he was thrown in the street. He was an old donkey, um, you know, maybe 13, 14 years old. Uh, Somebody had poked his eyeball out. He was covered in bruises. He's on, on the website, um, dailyhugs.org. Um, and, um, but, but he was very emotionally, I mean, Jess, you know how these things happen. He was, he was very emotionally reserved. He was, we couldn't reach him. Um, but we said, look, come to our sanctuary. We, we grabbed the donkey, 
brought him to the sanctuary, and we just said, we're just, you don't have to do any more work. You're retired. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> we're just going to feed you and just be. Just be yourself, and everything will be fine. And I'm telling you, within a year, he was he acted almost like a puppy. He, he, his, he Emotionally, That's he, he started expressing himself. He loved being there. That's amazing. Um, but anyway, so then the kids started to interact. We brought kids in from um, the refugee camps. Uh, we started bringing in kids from... Um, Lion refugee camp with right. autism. So we, we start out with kids from, with special needs. Um, and these are kids, um, you know, they, they need help. They, their teachers need help because right. the way they deal with them is they yell at them. To our, is, li- to our listeners, uh, if you want to follow and, uh, you know, support dailyhugs.org, and I'm actually pointing the camera at their website. It's dailyhugs.org. .org, and you'll see here I see the picture with the kids playing with a donkey right yeah, here. That's Houdini. And th- this, yeah. this, is, this is Houdini. This is uh, Maad's uh, organization. I just wanted to let our listeners know. But uh, Maad, Maad, continue with the story because there's something very deep and I think really symbolic about this story about Houdini. I mean, I think it's very mm. powerful in, in a lot of ways about you know, what you did to basically bring Houdini back Well, back yeah, to look life. At, yeah, look at his life. His life was spent, you know, his soul was spent right. serving the man. <laughs> you know, he's just, all he did was he'd get beat every day of his life. Right. Without exception. Every day, there was no weekends, he would just get beat and beat and beat. And, you know, he gave up. I mean, emotionally, he wasn't there anymore. He was just totally detached. He he didn't fight. He just just existed. We're getting, uh, you're listening to the voice of Maad Abu Ghazali. Maad started this sanctuary for kids and animals in a small village in Palestine. And his organization is called Daily Hugs. We're getting a lot of questions uh, on Facebook Live. One of the questions I think somebody wanted to reap, uh, and you can answer it, or you know, about saying dogs are what in the culture. I think somebody is surprised mm-hmm. about using the word nijas. Yeah, so but it's a cultural thing. Yeah, it, it's um, somewhat religious. I'm not sure about it. It, it, it. The the actual religious aspect of it is if you get a dog saliva on you, you have to wash. That, yeah, that's all it is. I'll I'll explain a little bit. Actually, right. they look at dogs as a working animal, and and they definitely or seldomly are allowed in the house. Mm-hmm. But cats are considered to be clean, mm-hmm. and they can live. You can live. You can have cats in the house. And if you're right, for religious people, if you touch a dog, not even just a saliva, mm. you will have to do the wudu, which is the, what you wash before prayer, because it ruins your kind of cleanliness Mm. and that's why there is a stigma Mm. even though i mean shepherds they use the dogs uh, etc outside but definitely uh, they don't bring them inside the house so um mad you did something in palestine which you know and we know the region pretty well i don't know if i've ever heard of a rescue organization in palestine ever this is really unique in the Naples area it's probably the well, it's uh, I mean, I've looked I've lived there for the past four years. There's no other rescue right. for any kind of animal. Right. Um, there's one in, in Bethlehem. There is one in Bethlehem. Yeah, they rescue dogs. Dogs. Just dogs. Yeah. But not uh, donkeys or anything else. No, no rescue for donkeys. They're right. just yeah. Um, so, so right, just uh, one, yeah. One, keep going. Keep going with the story. So I just wanted to touch off what we're we're talking about the dogs. Just to finish that off. Um, yeah. So 
um, none of the none of the kids that we 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 bring in kids to the sanctuary. We have a playground for them. We built a pirate ship for them just to to sucker them in, and then we really want them just to go to the pen and play with the animals because we think that's really good therapy for them, and we want to teach them. Um, all right, so this is the core purpose of hugs. The core purpose of hugs is, especially in Palestine, uh, and the whole world has this problem, which is it's a power problem. Those in power are more and more abusing that power and um, taking it out on those without power. True that. Parkland, anywhere. The guy with the gun wins. Right. And that's the pervasive mentality all over the world, and it, and it, it just um, it's a culture. And so when you have this um, very violent military occupation— where you know people are dying, you know, if not every day, every week somebody's getting taken to prison. There's always something violent happening there. It trickles down. It's like, oh, you have to be powerful, and so you know it trickles down from the father to the mother to the kids, and then the bottom is the our animals, the animals, and they get they That's get abused. Right. So we are trying to undo that. We're trying to unravel that, right? So we bring in these kids. The first thing they see is puppies. We have um, like two or three puppies. Um, uh, it, abandoned dogs, typically. So, um, uh, but we've had a couple puppies that we found kids picking them up and throwing them. So it's 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 not pretty. Um, so we bring them in. The kids come running to the puppies because what kid doesn't love a puppy? Right. They've never seen a puppy. They've never really seen one up close, or certainly never touched a puppy because their their parents will re- forbid them. They'll say they're they're um they're wild. They'll bite you. But they can't help it. So I have a picture of them on, on the um, on the Facebook page. Uh, we, there's a Daily Hugs groups page where you see all these kids about to just attack this puppy with love. And all the parents at the same time are screaming at him, don't. <laughs> don't get near him. And they're all like, you know, they're just like about to pounce on him. That's too and that's so, sad. Yeah, and, and that's the, the uh, harshness of that culture. It's, they're, it's they're, a they're, cultural thing. Right, but... But the kids don't know. Yeah, so I say, fine, I'm not going to fight the parents. You know, I, I give the parents tea, go get your tea. <laughs> and then one by one, we take the kids down to the pen. I, I hold the kids, and we start playing with the animals. That's and by, awesome. by the time, you know, the last time we had, I think, 75 kids, um, they, um, they were all wanted to play with the pirate ship, whatever. And then I took one kid by the hand. We went down and played with the animals. I look up and all of them, every single one was just waiting outside the fence. They wanted to touch the that's animals. That's awesome. That's, that's such a great, great story, Jamal. And there's something really powerful that, in that story, Maud. And I think, you know, the undoing of the power dynamic is, is huge. It's, mm. it's a huge thing because you're right. It does trickle down. And this is a sanctuary, I would say, not mm. just for the animals, but for these kids. Yeah. Because these kids are also subjected to brutality of occupation that no children anywhere in the world should be subjected to. So this is an opportunity to have, and we know this with animals, mm-hmm. unconditional love because right. that's the way animals are. It, it's a form of healing. It is. Mm-hmm. For both the animal mm-hmm. and the child. Yeah. So uh, then I find out <laughs> you're in the oil business. That's right. And, He's an oil and, man. And we're not right. talking about not an oil, oil sheik. <laughs> he is an oil sheik. You know, you he are is. in the olive it's, oil it's business. It's actually more expensive than the black oil. It is. is it? Yeah. Oh, by far. Yeah. Well, so, so oh, you know, you have how many acres you have? Well, it's, it's one acre yeah. um, in the middle of the, you know, the, the most prime olive um, growing area in, in Palestine. 
And and then did you have the olive trees when you got the property? Yeah, it was full of olive trees. We we cut down a few of them, unfortunately, and and Jamal's giving me a hard time about that because you know that's the roots of Palestine is their olive trees. Um, but you had to put your I guess yeah we had to put a few shelter things in for there. the animals. Right, right. And um, but and we we left twenty three. Yeah. And um, two years into it, um, it was uh, so this this has been going on for about four years. Um, two years ago, somebody said, "Look, you got all these olive trees." Um, you need money because, you know, as any organization, um, charity, charitable organization, you need some funding. And I'm really bad at begging for money. I don't really know how to do it. So they said, look, sell, you got these olive trees, sell oil. And so um, first year, which was two years ago, we, we picked a bunch of olives. We took them, um, this whole village, is, that's all they do. I mean, when it's olive picking season, it's the most amazing time. I don't know if, Jamal, if you've ever been there. but Everyone everybody comes, comes together out, to help. They eat together. They help each other. The relatives pick each other's um, right. fields. And um, just a wonderful, festive occasion. You know, that's, music's why, that's why it's very devastating for the Palestinians when they witness the Israeli settlers destro- destroying their olive t- trees yeah. and trying to prevent it, them from harvesting them. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. So you... I mean, how much, how much did you know about the olive business before you got into it? I didn't know anything, but I learned from the locals. They yeah. said, um, we'll help you pick it. And then we'll we'll take it down the street, down the hill. There's a big um, masara, which is a press, yeah, yeah. big press. And I was I loved every bit of it. It's just so natural, you know. It's yeah. it just you know picking the branches out, the leaves out. It was like this is life, you know. It it's is. not me churning, you know, churning away at work behind a computer. That's not living, you know. It's I'm making money, but. It, you know the the sense of the the sense of living a simple life. Right. You you can't put a price on that. Right. So now you have a sanctuary for animals. You bring kids to help heal them and the animals. Right. And now you have an olive. Uh, Which, company. by the way, uh, we want to show our yeah, we want to uh, show that this sa- is uh, our viewers on. Now, on, rumor has it that Facebook. this is probably some of the best olive oil in all of Palestine. Yeah. That's so, what I see. The people say. So this is. Mad's daily hugs. Let me, yeah. There's a story behind the uh, picture, behind the label, isn't there? Yeah. So every year we're this is our second year, and every year we have a different label, and it's um, featuring what hugs is about, which is a very welcoming, open um, farm and our sanctuary. And so, what these pictures are? These are drawings. Um, for the people on radio, I guess you'll have to hear me explain it. But um, it's it's. Um, they're drawings I had made when I first decided to go to Palestine four years ago. Uh, I, had, um, I just went online and said, who knows how to draw? Just some freelance. It, a guy in Mexico said, I know how to draw. <laughs> so I said, okay, this is my idea. Uh, and I just started giving him my vision of what hugs would look like before I'd even bought the land. Um, and then he drew these things and I didn't know what to do with them. I said, okay, I got all these drawings. I thought I'd throw them on the web. I, did, I really had no idea. And then I got the idea of putting those pictures as labels on the, on the, um, on the oil. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And it, it just, it became real. The, those drawings, it's surprising, even though they were done before I bought the land, really mater- it all materialized. So, Maad, let's get back to the uh, real story here. This is truly uh, one of those stories about Palestine that would never make the mainstream media, let alone the non-mainstream media. It's really a remarkable story and a real credit to you. Where can people go to get more information about your project? And if they want to help support your mission, what would you recommend? 
Uh, we definitely need donations. I mean, the, the thing that we're missing most uh, if people want to, well, let me first answer your question of where to find the, um, find us. So it's dailyhugs.org uh, is a static, pretty static website. It, it tells about the organization. And, and if you go to photos, uh, photo albums, you'll see a lot of pictures about it. But the more day-to-day stuff is being updated literally every day on, on, on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook group, uh, Daily Hugs. Uh, we have a page, which is also relatively static, but the group is where we have um, a bunch of members. They talk to each other. They, they discuss how much they love the oil. Because uh, right now we, we just had the oil shipped. And, and, and by the way, we were talking earlier, and you mentioned that you had a lot of volunteers come from abroad yeah. to help you and mm-hmm. for the harvest. So that was exciting. So, um, you know, at, up until now, it was um, very internal. It was just me and my animals and bringing kids in. Um, but so I decided to open it up. So the second harvest, um, I said, all right, who in the States, uh, part of my Facebook group, would want to come pick olives with me? Who wouldn't? And, yeah, there was uh, – I had to turn a few people down because everybody said that sounds like, um, you know, s- s- sit, h- hang around with the animals, you know, listen to the birds in the morning, um, and pick olives, and we did a festival. I actually did an olive harvest festival when the mayor came. and um, Nice. And, and we did a, a makluba contest. Who won? <laughs> um, so we were the judges. Oh, really? <laughs> so all the villagers brought their own makluba. Makluba is, I think, the, the most amazing Palestinian dish. It's, um, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it's, it's um, and you're And you're close to Nablus, so you have uh, Nablusi sweets. So yeah. you had the makluba with the sweets. It must have been pretty awesome. Right. So, um, so these visitors from America came to this festival where this is everybody's happy. One of them was a Jewish woman who... Um, was very progressive, and who all of her family said, we're not going to let you go. I mean, you're, are you serious? You're a Jewish woman. You want to go to a village in Palestine. They're going to kill you, right? So <laughs> she, she, she claims she wasn't worried, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine, given the hysteria that, that's wrapped around right. being Palestine. Jewish. And Palestine. Yeah, being Jewish and, and Palestinians, she, she was obviously a little bit nervous. Um, but anyway, so... Um, when we did this festival, the people there were exceptionally welcoming. They, they didn't care even an iota what religion she was. I mean, uh, you know, I could, you can bring her next time. She'll tell you about her experience. But so at the festival, she was sitting. We, we did uh, an amphitheater. I built an amphitheater on the, on, the, on the land where we did this festival. Everybody looked up and asked me, it's like, why is this woman crying? She was Because everybody's dancing. We're having this food contest. It's just an amazing time. And she was sitting there crying. And, and, and so I asked her, you know, everybody said you were crying during the festival. What, what's, what happened? And she goes, they told me they were going to hate me, mm. but they, they loved me. They, they, they were so welcoming. That's I mean, a great story. It chokes me up because, you know, I could feel what she felt, right. that, that she expected people to hate her. And, and they were so welcoming to her. And that's the story you'll never hear on the mainstream media. Ma, this is a great story, man. And I think we got to have you back. You know, we do do live calls from Palestine, Jamal. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to have to wow. follow up with Ma. Um, when are you planning to go back? I'm trying to do some fundraising for uh-huh. a few months. So I'll probably be back in the summer. And who's taking care of the animals? So I, the I heard that one guy I was telling you about, Osama, mm-hmm. he's uh, managing it, and his father is the groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. So he takes care of the animals. Nice. Um, and, he, and, his fa- and his son manages it. So. so listen, everybody, go to dailyhugs.org. This is a way that you can plug in to really 
a profound kind of activism that's different from going in on the streets, but this is a, something that you can do to commit yourself to a free, fair, and just Palestine. And somebody wants to see the label again, so if you can show us yeah. the uh, bottle of olive oil, you can buy the Palestinian. I well, love how it says the Daily Hugs uh, Asira Palestine. Right. Not the West Bank, but mm. Palestine on the label. You can support Daily Hugs, which is a children and animal sanctuary that Ma'ad Abu Ghazali established in in a small village in Palestine by going online or ordering some olive oil or whatever, volunteering if you want to. This is uh, KPOO in San Francisco. We're at 89.5 FM. It's Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. Maad, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Your work is really amazing. I, I love you guys, and I, like I said, I enjoy just hanging out with you guys anytime. Anytime. Well, uh, stay in touch. You're here. Maybe before you leave, we'll have you over again or just uh, just to hang out. Just to hang yeah, out. Absolutely. We'll, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Arab Talk on KPOO, San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. Now, Jamal, that was really a fantastic story. It is. About uh, Daily Hugs, Mad Abu Ghazali's amazing sanctuary for animals and children in Palestine. And I, I don't think I can emphasize enough about how different and compelling, you know, this kind of project is in Palestine. I really hope our listeners will take the time to um, go to his website and check it out. Now, we have to talk about the opposite of humanity, the opposite of sanctuary, and we have to talk about some of the more grotesque things that are happening in Palestine right now, Jamal. we got a lot to cover, but I think it's especially important for you that this week the Israeli Knesset, the apartheid Knesset, passed another extension of apartheid law that uh, basically wants to take away the Palestinian IDs of Palestinians uh, in Jerusalem. It's, it's not just a violation of international law. It's not just a grotesque, inhumane, illegal, immoral uh, act, but it is the epitome of what an apartheid state does. It's really outrageous. And it's occurring at the time when APAC is, you know, in D.C. and Benjamin Netanyahu is singing the praises of, of Donald Trump. But it's interesting with all the activity going around, this has not made the mainstream media about this uh, Knesset law. Well, uh, it has not. And, uh, of course, there was this whole parading and posturing at the, at the APAC conference. And this is where, in fact, even outside Israel, for Benjamin Netanyahu, is the only place where he's very popular and still popular. He's I mean, not popular anywhere else in the world. He except, is not popular anywhere else in the APAC. world. Exactly. It's, it's the same thing. Also, you could say, you could say this in reversal that, uh, about uh, 
you know, Israel in general, or Benjamin Netanyahu, or his, or even Donald Trump, he's also Donald Trump now. His popularity rating as at its lowest. Yeah. But he's very popular also in Israel. Well, that's the irony, Jamal. Donald Trump is popular in Israel, and Benjamin Netanyahu is popular in the United States in the Beltway among the APAC types. So I think our listeners might be drawing a conclusion about the, about the similarities between the apartheid regime of Benjamin Netanyahu and Donald Trump's leadership style and what he's doing. They are leaders with similar personalities. Benjamin Netanyahu is being uh, referred for indictments on four different charges of bribery and corruption. We know Donald Trump, the, the kind of um, legal noose is getting um, tighter and tighter around his neck. You know, Hope Hicks resigned, Gary Cohen resigned. You see that his world is crumbling. Um, there are there was another indictment uh, that came through on Paul Manafort. There's another cooperating witness. I don't think it's random that Bibi Netanyahu and Donald Trump share not only personality features, but their governments are going through the same process of trying to, you know, call them out because of their corruption and and in Trump's case, potential collusion with the Russians. Yeah, I think uh, Netanyahu's days are numbered even you know within the israeli government you really believe that yeah donald trump might outlast him (laughs) Uh, (laughs) unfortunately until the next election but listen netanyahu has been through this as trump has well he has this uncanny ability to get he does except they they have now solid evidence uh, about Corruption. They don't four. care about. There's four different cases against him and his wife. Yeah, they don't care. You know, this is different about you know collusion with the Russians or collusion in Israel. The one thing they care about is corruption. Yeah, and we know, uh, you know, what happened to his predecessor. Basically, went to jail. He went to jail. Uh, Hood uh, Olmert. Yes, he's in jail, and so if they can't pin those charges on him. Yes. He'll go to jail. Yeah. There's case 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, and 4,000. They involved a whole series of corruptions where people gave gifts and money to Benjamin Netanyahu as prime minister in exchange for favors, political favors that he would give these people's companies uh, in exchange for this uh, financial gain that he would get from them. Yeah. So my prediction, probably before the end of the year. Really? Yeah. I think there is a lot of change that's going to happen in historic Palestine. Hmm. And my prediction... What's your prediction? My prediction is both Benjamin Netanyahu and Mahmoud Abbas... Are done. Are done by the end of 2018. That's an interesting prediction. For different reasons. That's interesting. For different reasons. Benjamin Netanyahu, because he'll be indicted and he'll become a liability to the party, and then eventually he'll, he might not go to jail in 2018, but he will be forced to resign. Mahmoud Abbas. He's done. His health is in question. He recently, when he came to Washington, D.C., he went to a hospital, I think in Pethesda, Maryland. And uh, some, uh, I would say, uh, 
I wouldn't call them rumors, but even some confirmed reports that he has been suffering from cancer in the stomach. Yeah, I heard the same things. thing. Yeah. And, and also based on his uh, recent announcements that he has been making at the Fatah uh, part, in front of the Fatah uh, party's uh, central committee and other meetings, kind of insinuating that he, uh, you know, this might be his last year. And he has also, for the very first time, appointed a deputy. And the deputy is? And uh, the uh, the deputy is uh, Alul, I think the last name. I'm not sure. I'll have to check on is this. He but he's younger than 80? But he, he, yeah, but, and he is not one of the kind of known people, you know, like uh, around him, like uh, Saab Arikat uh, or others who have been working with him. He's kind of a lesser known person, but also, you know, there, there'll be challenges from Dahlan, who is supported by the UAE and others. And the United States. And so that might change the equation. I think there'll be, and hopefully not some, some turmoil, but I think this year might be different. Before the end of the year, we might see some uh, changes. Well, I hope you're right about that, Jamal, because um, the way things are going right now, and especially with Netanyahu weakened at this point, the right extremist, extremist, extremist wing of his party, I mean, they're all extremists, but the absolutely like nationalistic apartheid, they want to kill all Palestinians and get rid of them. They're empowered right now. So this could be an interesting year, 2018. But then he's like, you know, he's in trouble in his own, wherever, within his own government and his own party he comes to APAC and he's a hero he is a hero he comes to Washington DC and he's received in the White House standing ovation stand you know by uh, congressmen welcomed <laughs> by Congress welcomed by uh, members of Congress well welcomed by uh, Marco Rubio kissed his ring by you know <laughs> President uh, Trump and then of course we've been monitoring the uh, charade at APAC all the brown nosing going on it's still. So even, Democrats e and Republicans. Even uh, we, we, as we've been talking about how the NRA has its backs back to the wall, but not APAC. Exactly. Even though they had demonstrations outside APAC by different groups, including some minority Jewish groups and by the JVP and Nuturi Carta by Palestinian supporters, Yet every single politician on both sides of the aisle. That's the thing, Jamal. Both sides of the aisle. Both sides of the aisle. All these politicians have lined up for some dole and support from APAC. And, and, and so there were all these speeches. I was trying to see all these different speeches, like some speeches from... Uh, uh, we have one from Senator Chuck Schumer of New York, and who's arguably now... Jess is the top-ranking Democrat. He is the top in the United States, and, and in the Senate, he is. So he goes on the podium, standing ovation. They love him, and he says he believes that there is no peace. And I'm quoting between Israel and Palestine because, well, Palestinians don't believe in the Torah. 
That's his reason? That's his reason. That we don't believe in the Torah? I he is a democratically elected congressman in the United States where there is separation between no. church and state. And state. Except at APAC. And then he goes and he says, you know. And God is standing So what does he want? He wants Palestinians to convert. To Judaism. In order to discuss peace. He said they don't believe in peace. You well, know? well, I think Chuck Schumer. Had and then he continued, and I'm like, I'm telling you, I mean, this thing makes you kind of take a d- double take, listening or watching. And he goes, of course. And I'm again quoting. We say it's our land. I thought he's an American citizen. What is he talking about? He goes, we say it's our land. The Torah says it, but they don't believe in Torah. He continued. So that's the reason there is not peace. Unbelievable. So, so here you have... When he says our land... You have the top who, who's, ranking... Who's, you have the top ranking Democrat. And that's the pitch. Well, I have news for Chuck and Schumer. I have a little bit of, oh, you do? of, 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 of the soundbite. But let me begin by addressing the issue of peace. Many wonder... Why don't we still have peace in the Middle East? Even though a majority of Israelis want peace and believe like I do and most of you do that there should be two states, a Jewish state and a Palestinian state. Now some say, there are some who argue the settlements are the reason there's not peace. But we all know what happened in Gaza. Israel voluntarily got rid of the settlements there. The soldiers, Israeli soldiers, dragged the settlers out of Netzarim, and three weeks later, the Palestinians led through rockets into Zderot. It's sure not the settlements that are the blockage to peace. Some say it's the borders. Oh, Israel wants different borders. But they forget, during the negotiations in 2000, Ehud Barak was making huge territorial concessions that most Israelis didn't like. It was Arafat who rejected the settlement. It's not the borders, neither. And it's certainly not because we've moved the embassy to where it should belong in Yerushalayim. It's not that either. Now, let me tell you why, let me tell you why my view, why we don't have peace. Because the fact of the matter is that too many Palestinians and too many Arabs do not want any Jewish state in the Middle East. The view of Palestinians is simple. Well, the Europeans treated the Jews badly, culminating in the Holocaust, and they gave them our land as compensation. Of course, we say it's our land. The Torah says it but they don't believe in the Torah. So that's the reason there is not peace. They invent other reasons. I don't know what's more disturbing, Jamal. Palestinians don't believe in the Torah. That's why there's not peace. There is no peace. It's our our land. Uh, You know, that's what he says. Is he a U.S. senator? And... And he on sounds top of like this, he's a member he, of Knesset. He's rehashing the, all the refuted stories about Arafat and about Gaza. We gave them Gaza. But he forgets one teeny detail Just in the equation, one. you know, that all the residents 
of Gaza are in a one big prison. prison and they don't control the borders. The air. They can't even fish outside the shores of Gaza. They cannot travel. They destroyed the airport that was in Gaza. He forgets about that. Well, I, I think that Chuck Schumer, um, who sounds like a right-wing nationalistic Republican, he, he, I he's mean, always politically, by the way, if yeah. you look at his, at, his, uh, at his history, you know. He doesn't sound like a, a so-called Democrat. But the news that, that, that's contained in his statement, Jamal, is that if you look at uh, the new generation of Democrats, the Bernie Sanders Democrats, the younger generation of Democrats, what's interesting is that the polling from the Pew Foundation as well as from Quinnipiac shows that the overwhelming of Americans who identify as Democrat, more than 60 to 70 percent of Democrats, favor Palestinian rights and self-determination and see Palestine in a more favorable light than they do the state of Israel. So the Democratic Party out of touch out of, is a little out of touch, Jamal. And well, I would say something different. Chuck Schumer and the old guard are out of touch with the overwhelming majority of Democrats, progressives, liberals, and people of conscience in this country. I mean, they are freaking out about BDS, obviously. And Chuck Schumer, I mean, he doesn't even sound like a senator. He sounds like a, a member of the Knesset. He sounds like an MK to me. I mean, he does. I mean, I've heard members of the Knesset say less ideologically uh, rigid things than that. So I don't know what to tell you, Jamal, but this is a perfect example of how people, if they're concerned about the direction of this country, if they have a little bit of concern about the NRA, they should multiply that concern by a million in thinking about the degenerative effects of APAC and its effect on this country and what it's doing to our democracy. Because you have... Democrats and Republicans, Jamal, falling all over each other to kiss the ring of Benjamin Netanyahu. And that is an extremely disturbing development. It is. And uh, we have a few minutes left. We have some updates, Jamal. And I want to wish all women a great day because today is the International Women's Day. And I want to remind our listeners that Ahd Tamimi is still in detention. And many Palestinian women and girls remain in Israeli jails. Detention, in, indefinitely detained Jamal, without access to their families, without access to attorneys, living in harsh interrogations, being tortured, put in solitary confinement. That's how Israel celebrates women. That's right. And then another update, which also angered me. I've, I've seen it yesterday. And, uh, you know, is the site of what they call the Musta'aribin Shabak unit. This is an Israeli security unit that right. dresses like Arabs. That's the word Musta'aribin. It, or they, I should say, entered just Birzeit University, which I've visited many times when I was in Palestine, beautiful campus, and it's, it it's the prime, basically, university in, in Palestine. And they went, in, in, in broad daylight, arrested the president of the Students' Union, 
in broad daylight, kind of jumped him, arrested him, dragged him because of posts he, and statements he has made against the occupation. They went deep into the West Bank. And what angers me, and this is where we've talked about this, number one. Where's the Palestinian police? Where is the university? No, sec- uh. no university security in sight. When you go, they usually ask you for your ID, etc. Right. or who, what are you doing there? So just like any campus, imagine if, 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 if uh, you had security, uh, foreign security agencies went in deep inside the campus at UC Berkeley or another one and arrested basically an activist student. The president of the student union, yeah. So, and then the other thing is that where were the Palestinian Authority security forces who are trained by the Americans and the Canadians and the Jordanians, basically. They are very well trained, very well equipped. Not a single one in sight that's disgusting. And they're only present when you have some demonstrations or you have, uh, yeah. or to protect a settler who wandered inside the West Bank to return him to the Israelis. But then when the Israelis come out of the blue Nothing. and attack Palestinians, and in this case, they actually kidnap a Palestinian student right outside his classroom. They're not in sight. Unbelievable. And, and this is something that has to be really questioned. Number one, how did they get deep inside the West Bank unrecognized? You know, or are we busy just monitoring each other? I think that's, that's, that's the real meaning of and, security and, cooperation. And not, monitoring, and not monitoring Israeli infiltrators. And then how do you allow, as a university, how do you allow them to kidnap one of your kids, one of your students. And not do anything about it. It's a terrible story. Well, we've come to the another close of Arab Talk, Jamal. Our, our listeners should send us their comments to ArabTalk at kpoo.com. Go to our SoundCloud account. Actually, Arab go to our website, arabtalkradio.com. Arabtalkradio.com. All of our shows, are posted all, there. they're all archived there. And, and check us out on Facebook Live, Jamal Dejani too. Check it out. We'll see you next week. <laughs>